Mic check. Mic check. Can they hear us? Good. Just got past 500, man. We're on our way to 1,000. And beyond, Cabo Nation. Can't stop, won't stop. We're here, man. Today's show, Jacob Rude of Locked On Podcasts covers the Lakers and the Hoosiers for Locked On. Joins in to talk USA basketball. We discuss Ant-Man's takeover, Austin Reeves' ascension, and much more. Just a fantastic conversation with Jacob. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Lakers, SBN. You cover the Hoosiers as well. You're all over the place, Jacob. What is up? What is up? Talk to me. It is uh, another day in paradise, as I like to say, but it is a uh, a much quieter time this time of year during the summer. But yeah, I am I am all over the place with uh, covered the Lakers for a number of years. And then I, I went to IU and uh, host Locked on Hoosiers. So I get a bit of everything going on. There was a, a at least a fun little bit of crossover at the draft this year with Jalen Hood Shafino going to the Lakers. But yeah, I, I stay busy if nothing else. I see you have been paying heavy attention to USA basketball. Um, I've been very high on Anthony Edwards way back in Georgia. I thought he was going to be the best player in that draft, highest ceiling, all that great stuff. But did he have a night last night, didn't he? It was incredible. I, I thought he's been one of the kind of breakout guys for team USA so far and they were struggling in that game against Germany Germany's kind of a a tricky team to play in FIBA they especially like Dennis Schroeder they have a lot of guys who've played together who are familiar with kind of FIBA basketball and whatnot so I, I thought this was a tough challenge for them and for honestly for the better part of three quarters they were really struggling and Anthony Edwards was the only guy that was, I thought, keeping them in the game until they finally went on a run in the fourth quarter. But he kind of elevated to a level that I don't, I mean, I've been high on him too, but this felt like he was elevating to another level in that game. And uh, a lot of times Team USA games in this World Cup is a chance for guys to to do that and kind of elevate to the next level. And he seems primed to to potentially be that guy on this team this summer. Yeah, I mean, it felt like Germany was just the better team, not in terms of talent, just in terms of chemistry. And that's the way it should be. I mean, those guys have been playing together for a very long time. But it it was almost like Anthony Edwards defied the odds of his team just not having as much chemistry, but he just had so much talent that, like, his will and his talent overcame everything. That seems to typically be kind of the, the MO of these USA teams is that they're going to come up against the Spains, the Germanys, the the whoever it may be, uh, guys who have played together a lot. And USA kind of has to rely on the fact that they have more talent and they have to just figure out the chemistry part just enough to make things work and, and rely on that talent. And you're right. That was absolutely kind of the case on, in that game against Germany is that 
Germany had way more chemistry. They were dicing up America in the, the pick and roll and on offense for most of the game. But uh, USA kind of found a lineup that worked in the fourth quarter and just rode it and rode Anthony Edwards uh, being incredible to, to come away with that victory. Did you ever put any thought into why there was an idea that he wouldn't start or that was Kurt's idea not to start? Was it like, was it the sneaker deal thing? Was it something else? Like, what was the reason for that? Because it seems like he's the best player on the team even before they played a game. And I mean, that's apparent to anybody. So I'm pretty sure it was apparent to Steve Kerr from the beginning. Yeah, I didn't really put anything into any of the talk about them not knowing who was going to start. I thought Jalen Brunson, I thought, was probably pretty locked in, and that became a, a pretty apparent during the, the training camp. And I thought that backcourt was set. Jaron Jackson Jr. seemed obvious since he's basically the only center that they have. Um, you could make some arguments for maybe those other two spots. I thought this was a lineup that on paper made the most sense. Um, and Ant, yeah, I think there's probably a pretty fair argument. He's the most talented guy on this roster, and – it's him or Jalen Brunson, I think, right now. And Jalen Brunson's played well at times uh, during this exhibition slate, too. But the two of them are, are the types of guys that can go out there and get you 20, 30 points even on any given night. I mean, Jalen Brunson, uh, I can't, maybe the Spain game was the one where he just like didn't miss a shot and was incredible. He had 23 points, I believe, in that game. And so, that, that is probably your most talented backcourt. I think one of the issues that USA is kind of running into is that the most talented group might not be their most cohesive group. And mm. that's uh, the issue that they had against Germany. And that's why it was mainly a bench lineup that uh, stayed in in the fourth quarter and won them the game. But even then, Anthony Edwards was part of that group. And uh, he's again, I think he's really kind of elevating to another level with his game. It feels like the team USA is almost, I mean, as it should be mirroring where the NBA game has went while like, you know, they're long they're They got shot creation. They play a modern style of game, but as we know, like the real centers and the power fours are not really a part of the game anymore. And that seems to be their biggest weakness. Yeah, Paolo Bencaro is their backup center, <laughs> and he right, is, right. Or, or I guess maybe Bobby Portis, but neither of those guys are centers, whoever it it may be. And uh, in in the game against Germany, I mean, it was Bencaro that was kind of playing the center. So, yeah, they very much with this group. I don't know how much of it was by design, how much was it, how much of it was by the guys who said yes and those who said no, but they very much have a group that is as you that positionless kind of uh, attack yeah. and a lot of times they're going out there with almost four guards there's I mean, it, it is it is a steve kurt team right so yeah very, expect that. yeah it, it fits his kind of mo there, there's times when you had josh hart as the the power forward and it, it can work because josh hart is such a unique player and has the rebounding ability and has the defensive ability but you're going out there with three, four guards and Paolo Bancaro, who uh, looking it up, played more small forward than he did center for the magic last season. So it's a, it's a unique lineup that it follows where the NBA game is going. It, it, I don't know how successful it'll be with FIBA this summer, but uh, it, it certainly follows how the NBA game is moving and they're really kind of building a team that is, 
athletic wings that can get up and down the court, defend. And um, again, that's kind of always what USA does as well is that they're also going to have more depth than anybody else. They're going to be able to throw, I think 11 guys played, 10 or 11 guys played against Germany. They're always going to be able to do that and other teams aren't. So I, I think they leaned into that as well in that there are legitimately 10 guys on this team that you could probably make some form of an argument should be starting in some way or the other. And uh, if guys can accept their roles, which it seems like they they've been able to, then you can still play everybody a certain amount of minutes a night and still come away successful. Are there any other improvement areas besides chemistry and maybe, you know, girth around the paint that team USA really needs to focus on heading into the Olympics? Yeah, they were, this group has struggled a bit defensively Hmm. uh, and it's shown against probably the two best teams that they've played. And, but a lot of that is just not really having a center outside of Jaron Jackson Jr. It's kind of the, the path they chose to take when building this roster is that if you come up against those big guys, those, those guys with some girth, as you said, that they're going to struggle defending some of those guys. Willie Hernan Gomez played really well against uh, Willie and Juan Hernan Gomez played well against uh, USA. And those are two big bodied centers that USA doesn't really have anybody to match up with outside of Jaron Jackson Jr. And so I think the defensive end is probably where they need the most work, which would make sense because that's where you rely most on kind of the chemistry aspect of this. Uh, And so there there's moments and when they kind of get things together, they, they become a pretty lockdown team and they they went on thinking it ended up being a 19 0 run against Germany to close the game. And so they can do that. It's just figuring out the defensive end and figuring out, I guess what your best five is going to be when, when these games really matter, because I know in that Germany game, the the starting lineup as talented as they are. And as much as it makes sense on paper, that wasn't the best five man lineup in that game. And that's not the lineup Steve Kerr closed with. So just the defensive end and figuring out who you go to when when the game's on the line and uh, who you can trust in those situations. I've almost talked about this topic at nauseum on this podcast because, you know, I formerly played overseas, so I often talk about the differences between the NBA and, you know, maybe FIBA rules, overseas basketball. But from your perspective, you know, what are the biggest differences outside the obvious, like the shorter quarters and the goaltending? Like, what do you see as the biggest differences between the NBA game and now what you're watching in FIBA? I think one of the things I've noticed, and this might just be because I I covered Austin Reeves is that some of that, that grifting, that foul baiting doesn't quite work as well in the Uh, game as it does in the, uh, in the NBA game. And there are a handful of guys who that is kind of what they do. Jalen Brunson's really good at that. Reeves is really good at that. Uh, There's guys who have kind of had to adapt to the fact that you can't just run into the lane and throw your arms up and yell and get a foul call that, it's going to be a little bit different. That's been one of the things I've noticed is just adapting a, a bit to the physicality of what FIBA is and that refs aren't going to kind of bail you out a lot of times. And so um, there's just kind of those nuanced things. It's when you add that with the the goaltending in the quarters and all that, uh, it can be a, a lot. Of, it makes sense that USA played so many exhibition games, I thought, leading up to this with such a, a new group of players to kind of get those guys to build that chemistry, but also adapt to what the FIBA game is going to be like. 
You mentioned Austin Reeves, and he's going to be such a big piece when it comes to chemistry because he's one of those connective pieces. Actually, Halliburton's another guy who's a connective piece, so it's going to be really fun to watch those guys gel over time. Um, what have you made of of, of Austin's recent play? Because from what I'm hearing, he's a fan favorite out there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. And he is one of those kind of connecting guys. He'll do a bit of everything. And um, it almost feels like you're underselling him to call him a glue guy, but that he, yeah. he fills that role. And he's a very expensive glue guy. He got paid a lot of money to, to be a glue guy. Actually, I mean, I think some would argue that he didn't get paid enough, right? Like he got oh, the yeah. Lakers discount. Yeah, absolutely. The Lakers, <laughs> Lakers got away with one on that one, but yeah. uh, he, he, he just has the ability to, to do whatever is needed. And he's done that with the Lakers over the last couple of seasons. It, you look back and he's kind of talked about this, what he wants to be this kind of going forward. He wants to be more of a, an on-ball player, a decision maker, a playmaker, because that's what he was in college, but that hasn't been at all really what he's been until the the tail end of, of the last season with the Lakers yeah he's been a guy who will be that glue guy that connecting piece that spot up three-point shooter that guy who'll die for loose balls whatever it may be and he his role has kind of grown into more responsibility on the ball and more playmaking and stuff like that but when he was in college he was the guy dominating the ball and making the plays and things like that so I think his ability to just kind of do whatever is needed. I, I think it is really helpful for any team he plays on, whether it's the Lakers or whether it is Team USA. And I think that's been one of the things that stuck out uh, in playing with Team USA and his ability to just kind of play off guys well. Like it's kind of, it's not really a tangible skill or anything like that, but him and Halliburton, for example, have really great chemistry together. And, and that's something that's reoccurring, recurring with, with Austin Reeves, him and LeBron have great chemistry together. And he plays really well off kind of those smart. Exactly. IQ. Yeah. Like those yeah. are all high IQ guys, you know, it's like when you got high IQ guys together and you know, they just figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And so he, he plays well off those types of guys. And I, I think that's going to continue. I, I think, I mean, Halliburton and Reeves are, those were two of the guys that closed the game against Germany. And I, I saw multiple people saying, Steve Kerr might have to realize that that's two of your five best guys and it's going to be hard to keep them off the floor when the, when the game matters, we'll see, but they certainly were two of the five best guys against Germany. And that just kind of keeps happening for Reeves that he's in those really good lineups or those really good pairings or whatever it might be. So yeah, he's, he's kind of quickly become a fan favorite for team USA. Like he did the Lakers. I'm sure it's in the back of Steve's mind um, that he could have drafted Halliburton. <laughs> he's like he's like he's like the perfect warriors guy like pass it shoot it like smart you know quick decisions yeah. that would have been really fun in that system yeah exactly there's a there's a lot of draft mistakes like they, <laughs> made in line. he could add Lamelo ball too i think it would have been yeah true in that, in that system as well so uh as good as he might be their their scouting hasn't been great in the last couple of drafts yeah i guess you know you pay heavy attention to the lakers so i guess we could segue uh to our last topic um, Rui and Austin are, are these two guys like a piece that you could see being like top two or three guys on a championship team post LeBron? Like how good could these two guys be? Austin, uh, well, I guess with both of them, it's kind of, I guess a little unclear. Uh, they both are still relatively young. Austin's a little bit older because he played 
four years in college. He's 25. But uh, Rui, and I mean, they're both relatively young. Rui is 25 as well, so I guess they're the same age. But can they be that good? Austin seems to just kind of be quickly his, – his game is just kind of rapidly improving. And yes. right now it's hard to really put any kind of ceiling on it until – we see him start to slow down on that improvement. Mm-hmm. Rui's a, a really interesting one because he was, I don't want to say a bust, but he was struggling in Washington and he wasn't, I guess, living up to uh, the potential that he had shown, but, and really through a good chunk of the regular season with the Lakers, he was a good wing, but he wasn't again, anything Fla- flashes flashes. Yeah. And the, then the, the, the interesting thing is like on offense, he like kind of resembles like some Kawhi stuff, like yeah. the way he gets it to his one dribble jump shot. And then the defense, like it, it's, it's Kawhi ish, but obviously he's not Kawhi, but it, it, there's some interesting stuff there with his flashes. Yeah. And he loves the mid range game. He's really yeah. good at it. Like Kawhi is too. And yeah, but once the playoffs came around, Rui was incredible. He was uh-huh. Uh-huh. probably four, third, fourth best Laker during the playoffs. And so I guess how much do you put into to what he did with the Lakers during the regular season and his his run in Washington wasn't great, but he was really good in the playoffs there too. So how much do you put all stock into that versus the biggest games he's played in his NBA career? He was really, really good and reliable on both ends of the floor, knocking down threes, defending Jokic at times, defending uh, bigger guys. So can they be... I don't know that they could be the second best player, maybe the third best player on a championship team. They're great pieces to have as you build a a title team. But um, with Rui, I'm a little more hesitant to say he can be that because there is more of a track record of, of him struggling. With Reeves, I, I'm not willing to really put uh, any kind of cap on what he can be right now because he is just wow. continually improving. If I told you three years from now, he's like an all NBA guy, you wouldn't be surprised. Reeves. Yeah. Reeves. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, he has all the skill set there. It's, it's going to be opportunity. It's going to be, uh, I, I don't know that he's going to be that with LeBron and AD both around it, it right. might be in the post LeBron years. And so I wouldn't be shocked. It, it would still be quite a, a jump for him to go. I mean, there's still a, a big jump to go from, you know, really good role player to all NBA. It's not a jump. Uh, a lot of guys make Jalen Brunson's probably the the most recent example of that. And again, it was a situation where he had to go to a place where he got handed the keys basically. And he became that type of guy. So it would have to come in the, the post LeBron years, but do I think Reeves could do what Jalen Brunson is doing basically? I think so. And it, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened, but it, it would still be a kind of best case scenario outcome, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was an all NBA guy in three or four years. Jacob, appreciate your time. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you everywhere? Social media podcasts. You can find me on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now. at Jacob <laughs> Rude. And uh, all my Lakers work, as you said, Lakers uh, SBN on Twitter, silver screen and roll. And then any IU fans by chance, I, I host Locked on Hoosiers every day, uh, every weekday. So stop on by there as well. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Anytime.
There it was, another episode of Combo's Court. Big shouts to Jacob for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. That's where you might be listening to the show, but you might not be subscribed. So punch down on that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media, X, Instagram. You know you can catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. And be on the lookout for episode... 503 combo out.